Has the pandemic made some of your veterinary clients a little crazy? This week, we're going to talk about what stage most of veterinary clients in the United States seem to be at today. And it's not good this week on The Veterinary Viewfinder. Welcome back to The Veterinary Viewfinder, the podcast that tackles the toughest topics in veterinary medicine and viewfinder family. We can't seem to escape the coronavirus pandemic that is gripping our profession. And much like the five stages of grief, I think many of our clients have gone from denial to anger. And so this week, we want to talk about maybe some tips and tricks and advice on handling angry clients during this pandemic. But before we get into all of that, as always, I am one of your pandemic veterinary co-hosts, Dr. Ernie Ward. And I am your much more highly resistant to the virus and the conversation, <laughs> veterinary technician, Becky Mosser. And yeah, uh, the, the truth is, is at this point, I guess I'm hearing really scary things from my colleagues about how clients are acting. I'm hearing my colleagues saying that they are having to like quite literally put up signs. They're having to um, go out and come out to their clients and actually like beg them to please stop with the violence, the anger, the yelling, the uh, verbal abuse. And I'm I'm getting like on edge about it. So I was like, as much as you know, I don't want to talk about all this kind of stuff like this is what's happening for our colleagues right now. And I want to reach out to them through this podcast to support them, um, see if we can give them some advice and also just let them know they're not alone. Yeah. And viewfinders, you know, if you think about this in stages, like we really have gone through the first, I think we've, we're entering into the second stage of, you know, kind of grief yeah. because let's face it, by and large, our country has been in denial about the coronavirus pandemic. I mean, you know, there's been outrage over wearing masks or closing schools and all these types of things. And regardless of where you fall on that spectrum, we know that there's been a lot of sort of skepticism and pushback around just this whole pandemic thing. And I think at this point, Becky, many of our clients and most Americans are now just darn angry about it. You know, they're just yeah. like fed up with it. They've had enough. They want life to resume normalcy and the pandemic is not complying. And so I think what we're seeing now is this spark of outrage and emotional, you know, outbursts in our parking lots. They're banging on our doors. And, and look, guys, you know, veterinary professionals, we're no stranger to client outbursts, right? I mean, you know, I, I've, yeah, as you've heard on the podcast, you know, I've had guns pulled on me a couple of times, my life threatened more than once. But Becky, you know, this is different, isn't it? I'm sorry, I can't get past the whole like gun pulled on me more than once. That's I guess like Becky, we live in Brunswick County, North Carolina. I mean, That's just part of the You know, game. I know. So, but we're used to but our profession is used to the onslaught of emotions yes. that clients go when when they're going through difficult euthanasias, yeah. horrible diagnoses. I mean, you know, treatments that don't work out. I mean, so we're used to that, but I'm just saying I think this feels different to me. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's well, yes, it, it's even and I guess that's my we went from the frying pan into the fire is, I guess, what I'm trying to say. Like there was already a, a low lying kind of problem. And then now we have really exacerbated that problem. And it's um, I think there is a lack of resilience, not a lack. I should say there's like a decreased resiliency. Um, and then we have this increased like um level of confrontation. I just feel and and I was listening to another podcast the other day that they were talking about this kind of 
state of confrontation we're all in. I think everyone is moving through life right now like you're wearing a mask. You're not wearing a mask. I don't have to wear a mask. I need people around me to wear a mask. I'm immune compromised. I've got kids. I just feel like there's this like constant rumble of of tension and adversity that we're all just like ready to defend and attack. And it's it's really just starting to bubble up. And viewfinders, we'd love to hear your thoughts on this. But for me, Becky, a lot of this originates in this sense of helplessness, right? This is something that's out of our control. And when things are out of people's control, they do try to retain what they can. And sometimes that is anger, right? So they, they lash out at us because they feel like they've been mistreated or they've waited too long, or we're not showing them, showering them with affection. So, I mean, I think that, that, that frustration, helplessness, and, and again, if you look at this, this is an invisible enemy, right? This is something that we can't see, we can't smell, we can't touch, we can't hear, right? All those things. And yet it, has the capacity to put you in the ICU and maybe even kill you. So that's frightening in and of itself. And then on top of that, we're in a highly politically charged environment. I mean, honestly, I wish this had happened at any time other than an election year like this, because now people are like saying, oh, you wear a mask, well, you support such and such. You don't wear a mask, you support another person. (laughs) And and that's just nonsense, viewfinders. That is nonsense, right? But yet that's where we are. So let's, let's now try to spin it into some of the you know, recommendation. So Becky, here we are, let's say that for whatever reason, no fault of our own, or at least none that we know of, a client begins a tirade. They cuss at us. They say, you don't give a flip about my dog or, you know, I've been sitting out here for two hours and I've seen you treat five other people, which is actually a something that somebody relayed to me recently. So what, what do you do in that moment when the client is starting to escalate, perhaps get on the verge of out of control? What are some of the things that you can do to try to rein in those emotions? So I'm going to lean into the immense amount of therapy I've been doing lately, <laughs> as well as a lot of people because of COVID, right? And trying to stay on top of our mental health and say, pause. One of the most important things we can possibly do and practice is pause, just because that immediate lash out can be so hurtful. We immediately go into a defensive space and we want to defend ourselves. And the the worst thing someone can do is accuse us of not caring about animals. Um, We care about them to a fault. And then you have this desperation to make people understand. And it's really the worst thing you can say to us. And that's why they go for it, right? Because they know that's going to be a soft spot for us. So pausing, practicing the pause, practicing just like the moment of like, okay. And then one thing that I have really um, tried to learn to do is turn it around with a question when somebody is screaming at me um, and say like, I, you know, instead of trying to tell them how I understand or how I sympathize, you know, what would you suggest I do to make this better? Like, you know, give them a moment to open up, to vent, to say what they want, because sometimes they will either say it out loud and they hear it's unreasonable or they don't even really know. And they can't, you know, so sometimes I find pause and ask them a question so they get a chance to say everything they need to say. And then the third thing I would say is the really, really work on your resiliency. Work on this isn't about me. This is them. This isn't me. This is them. And um, get support 
mental health, family, whatever it is, get support because you've got to put all this emotion somewhere. It's charged for you too. And Becky uh, Viewfinders just outlined beautifully uh, what we would call in communication terms a redirect. So basically when that person is lashing out and they're saying really quite outrageous things, often hurtful because they are, they're really going for your most vulnerable part, right? So for us, they're always going to attack money and caring, those types of, of elements, right? Of our, that's yeah. who we are. And so that's, that's, you know, so they know right where to dig into. And so what you have to then do is say, you know, I completely understand why you may be upset today. Explain to me or tell me what I can do to make this better. Sometimes that simple redirect, like Becky says, they're like, wait, what do you mean? I just want to yell back at me, please. Hit yeah. Me. You know, engage so, in a fight because I want to yell. That's the only thing that's going to make me feel better right now. Right, yeah, because they're engaging the, the limbic system, the amygdala, right? They're not going up to the prefrontal cortex. So the executive centers of the brain, the social part of the brain, they're staying down in that emotional part of the brain and the emotional part of the brain just knows a couple of things fight or flee and so yeah. right now they're hankering for a fight when they're escalating and yelling and using hurtful language yeah and the other thing you know um recently i was talking with my sister and we were sort of talking about how we have a tendency as people to continually get in each other's space with the need to be heard and to be understood and she said, you know, if that was like a biting dog or a barking dog, you would not have that same reaction. Right. So right. I started thinking about these clients like what if these like this dog, this human is acting just like a scared, frustrated animal and lashing out in the thing that makes them feel safe. And um, so sometimes if you ask yourself, like, why are they doing this? You can put yourself in an empathetic space because uh, I've been kind of a jerk before, too, when I'm when I'm emotionally charged. Right. It's coming out of fear. Almost always this sense Absolutely. of helplessness. I mean, you know, they're angry because it's out of their control. So you're right, Becky. That's the one important thing here. That pause, the power of the pause helps you process and reflect, because what you're trying to do is kick your brain from the amygdala limbic system down the emotional part of the brain up into the social prefrontal cortex where you can actually process and make a cogent decision. The other thing too that I want to point out viewfinders is that when I'm in these situations, I, I think it's really important to abandon the win-lose mindset because what will happen is you're like, I'm right and you're wrong. And therefore you want to engage in some type of debate or competition to make sure that your point is the one that wins. I'm going to tell you, nobody wins in these situations. Your best possible outcome is to de-escalate the situation, right? So I think that when you're in these moments and the person is saying, you are this, you cannot retort with, I am not, <laughs> right? Because that yeah. just escalates it. And honestly, you're not going to win. It's not a debate. In fact, I don't really think people truly win debates, but you know, you're not going to have this jury. I could debate that. <laughs> right. But you're not going to have this independent jury going, well, you know, Becky, your, your, your argument was much more reasoned than the other person. So therefore we award you the medal. No, that's not what's going to happen. You want to de-escalate. De you don't want this to continue to get out of control. So let's, let's abandon that win-lose mindset. Yeah. And one of the things that Becky really, really leaned into there, and that is you need an external support system because what's going to happen, no matter how this thing plays out, the person's yelling, you yell back, everybody's regrets, whatever happens, or you successfully de-escalate it. People take a deep breath. They still call you ugly names, but at least nobody got hurt. Nobody threw a punch. But then what happens on the other side is critical for you staying in the profession, because I'm telling you that takes an emotional toll, right? That burst of energy, that influx of threat. If you do not have an external support system to go out there and say, guys, 
help me with this, then you will that it will erode away your your resiliency. Becky will 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 evaporate. I'm sorry, you know, nobody's strong enough to do it all the time, nonstop. So you've got to make sure that you've got somebody that you can call up. And and Becky, you know, sometimes you're that for me, right? I mean, but you need somebody that you can <laughs> yeah. go. I can't believe this is actually happening. Yeah, it, it is. And you know, a lot of times I we talk about the fact that our customer service reps don't get a ton of training. Um, body language, communication, getting to yes. There are a thousand different types of training that are very valid to our customer service reps that help give them the tools to handle these moments. Because the fact of the matter is, is you need practice training. You need practice doing this because it's not a tool you're born with how to handle someone screaming at you. It just It's just not something you're hopefully born with. And like you said, you get a cortisol release, you have a physiologic reaction. Sometimes we cry because we get so angry or frustrated, then we hate ourselves for that. These things really spiral for like an emotional hijacking. And it's super easy to spiral out of control super fast. So um, the more practice we have in like getting in front of it fast, the better off everyone is. This is why I push for role playing all those years ago. Yeah. Because, you know, look, there's a famous story that Laura used to tell in her lectures where we would we would do some kind of mild confrontations, right? So we would try to teach our people, especially our front staff, like what to happen when a client, you know, accuses us of ripping them off or being uncaring, right? All those, because we know that you've got to arm yourself with some type of mechanism to defend, right? Or, or you will fall apart. And like Becky said, then you'll probably say something that you regret and then everything gets worse. So we would do this. And the story that Laura tells is about a relatively new employee who's going through her phase training. And part of her role playing was to work with Laura and a senior staff member. And the senior staff member was the sort of upset client. And this young employee (laughs) got so upset, didn't handle it. She wound up locking herself in our bathroom. We had to actually call the fire department to get her out <laughs> yeah, because she wasn't coming out and then we're like uh-oh like what is something crazy is happening you so, broke her uh well i i think she was maybe broken before she came to us but, <laughs> but, but regardless you know with that one extreme example you know what we were trying to do is fortify our staff and and you know what happens is if you are out there listening today the best thing that a, a, an employee a supervisor a manager or whatever can do for you is to give you training, you know, because like, you know, there are times in football where they like do no pads and they like touch each other, but then guess what? Every football team puts on the pads and they knock the crap out of each other. And you go, well, that's crazy. Why would the same team like knock the crap out of each other? It's because they have to prepare for that hit during a real game. I'm not here to condone, you know, contact sports, but what I'm trying to do is illustrate that even physical interaction is something that we have to train and prepare ourselves for. And so by you actually experiencing this in a safe, controlled, nurturing environment, that cortisol level comes up, you actually know how to handle your rate of speaking. One of the things that that I was doing during my training, you know, and look, I was subject to this just like everybody else. I realized that, wow, whenever I get a little nervous and afraid and intense, like one of the quick first things that happens is your rate of breathing goes up and your voice timber actually goes up. So you start talking a little bit higher and a little bit faster. And guess what? Those are signals, nonverbal and verbal signals to the other person, the receiver here that you are becoming more aggressive or threatening or intimidating. So I had to really learn how to, like Becky said, take that pause, slow down my rate of breathing, and maybe just shut up and not say anything till I realized I could, till I could control my voice in that moment. 
Well, and yes. And the thing is, is you've got to practice this because, you know, I always go back to like my husband, he's in the Marine Corps. They do the training that they do because when your brain takes over with emotion, you, you need to go to. So when somebody says something that really hurts your feelings and you want to lash out, I always go back to stop, drop and roll. And, um, it's funny because when I lecture, I ask people about this and then, um, one time I actually got a yes, but I usually am like, has anyone ever been set on fire? And and it's usually a no. I got one yes, and that was awkward. But I said, but do you know <laughs> wow. what to do if you were set on fire? And everyone always says, stop, drop, and roll. Right. And it's because your brain's been so hijacked that if you're in the horrible situation that you actually are on fire, you will know what to do. You won't have to think through it. And that's why in a perfectly calm scenario, it's super pr- important to practice because your brain knows what to go to when your emotions are trying to take over. Right. Which is why so many returning combat veterans, Becky, you know, the sound of a of a backfire from a car, they they drop roll right? yeah. <laughs> because oh, they're yeah. like, yeah. I've been conditioned that that sound signals Duck and cover. You know, danger potentially. So so it takes a while to unwind that. And, you know, so again, viewfinders, I, I really want you to think about what we're saying. We're saying, you know, hey, there may be some some tactics that you can lo- use, right? You can redirect. You can try to use the pause. You can change your mindset from a win-lose to de-escalation. But then there's also some preparation that you can do in advance because this stuff is just inherent with our profession. And I really wish they would teach more of this at schools. I, and I know, look, when I lecture at schools, Becky, I know those students are looking at me like, that's a waste of my time. I want to learn more about brain tumors. And I get it because you're in that mindset at that moment. And look, knowing about cancer is super important, but also knowing how to handle yourself during a confrontation because it's going to happen. You know, that also is a valuable skill set. Yeah, because I mean, think about how many times you have been de-escalated when you wanted a fight and how much you appreciated somebody handling it the right way um, and helping you be better in that moment because you were in a spot you really couldn't be great. Um, There's a lot to be said for rising above. That being said, I think it's worthwhile to talk a little bit about like the consequences our clients have to, you know, I think a lot of times we need to be confident in, quote unquote, disciplining our clients when they've crossed a line and helping our clients understand that we have a code of conduct. And, you know, so how did you help your clients know that there's a code of conduct or say they're being out of hand? Right. And this is a really good point, because right now, if you're watching the news, like there are airlines that are banning passengers for life for not or for refusing to wear no fly list right right i mean so this is really so so there are consequences right so basically there are businesses and there are airlines they're saying hey if you don't abide by our rules during this special circumstance you're just not going to be one of our customers from here on out so i think that you should understand that this is more than just the veterinary profession that all industries, all types of businesses are confronting the same challenges. And right now, I think that people should expect that if they misbehave in certain businesses in certain settings, they're not going to be allowed back, you know, at least not for the foreseeable future. So getting back to your question, really, we we had a pretty simple rule, right, that that we tolerated a lot of stuff, a lot of crap from clients. But if they did two things, well, and there's really a third, but it's kind of in with the second, which I'll explain. But the first is if they ever threatened legal action, that totally changed the context, right? That was a, you know, thank you. We're done today. Yeah, that is a, yeah. you know, you're out of here. We will 
escort you out. You know, because, and there are clients who are like, I'm going to sue your fanny. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And that's when you say, you know, hey, listen, I, I appreciate you, you know, you, you telling me that today. But at this point, it is best uh, for us to separate because you, you're not going to win that. You're only probably going to make it worse and maybe increase the chance of litigation in the future. So threats of legal action were sort of the boom, you're done, we're done. And that's when we would set off a mechanism of sending them a letter saying, you know, we're sorry that we're no longer to serve as your veterinarian. Each state has slightly different rules on this. Some states have none, but you do need to consult with your state medical board uh, and maybe even check your business act because, you know, there may be steps that you need to take to legally inform a person that they are no longer uh, going to be have your services. The second thing was for me, was any type of threat of physical violence. Okay, so we got the legal violence. You're done. You're toast. We're going to send you a letter. We're going to ask you to leave immediately. The second is you threatened to hurt me or my staff, right? So uh, any type of, and we did. I mean, this was not, and look, viewfinders, tell me if you've had this happen. I mean, we've had people say they're going to kick my beep, yeah. right? I mean, oh, you know, this sure. is, right, you know, I'll, I'll knock the crap out of you, right? That kind of stuff was not, you know, that, I mean, it was rare, but it happened for sure. So threats of violence for that. And then for me, personally was, you know, swearing. So, and it wasn't just like saying D-A-M-N or I don't know what we can actually say on our podcast, but you know, it wasn't those minor words, you know, it was like the F-U, you effing, effing, effing. And I did have actually one guy who was super colorful and probably in the span of about two minutes. I don't know. He probably dropped F-bomb at least 30, 40 times, which I, I was very impressed. I'll never wow. forget that. It was like literally every other word was the F word. And, and at some point you're like in your brain, once you're able to disengage from the emotions, you're like, this is quite funny. I mean, wow, this like guy, a game. he's got a talent. <laughs> like maybe there's a job in there for this guy, you know, I can throw more F bombs than anybody else. Oh but so gosh. for me, when they threw that, so threats of physical violence slash threatening, intimidating, very foul language, you know, and I know that that when I've said this in lectures and I've written articles about the language part, look, I understand some of you guys have different standards and you're willing to accept different language, you know, and again, it wasn't like, you know, this is a bunch of S, like, because people would say that I wouldn't necessarily kick them out. But if they said, I'm going to kick your F and yeah. F, then, you know, we're, we're, we're done. Yeah, but that was it for me. Well, I mean, how did you did you guys have anything or what do you think about a client code of conduct? What do you think about kind of spelling that out ahead of time? Yeah, that's a really good thing. We didn't. We never had anything in writing. I think that's not a bad idea. Maybe it's even more important during these times. So I'd love to hear your opinion on this viewfinders out there. You know, do you have a code of conduct? Do you, do you post it? Do you email it? Is it in a Instagram post? Yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I don't know really the right way to do that. But I think it's not a bad idea to sort of you know tell people what. The one caution I will give about this and this is you know sort of a, a, a cognitive neuroscience or you know I guess practice theory whatever concept and and that is the we're priming them so these are priming neurological pathways so if you tell someone hey because there's been a lot of people that have been acting up at our clinic we've we've created a code of conduct yeah, well, good point. everybody that's watching or reading that or encountering that content then starts to think oh what's going on there right you've primed them to expect sort of a confrontation so i think you have to be cautious with how you deploy that becky but i i like the idea i don't know that it helps you in the moment. I don't even know that it really helps prevent anything. What it may help you do is from a legal standpoint to go back yeah. and say, you know, hey, we have this code of conduct on our website. You violate it. It's like violating the terms of an agreement, right? So, you know, like if you rent a car and you smoke in it, for example, they can say, hey, you not only do you owe us extra money, but you can't rent a car from us again or don't wear a mask on a plane, whatever. 
Yeah. And I also think, though, there's an element there of supporting your staff. Like, I know I would feel really supported by a clinic that said, we have a code of conduct for you and we have a code of conduct for our clients and we're here to support you. We will not tolerate this kind of behavior because the worst possible thing I'm reading is that these guys feel unsupported. Yeah. And you know what? I do like that framework uh, much better from a, 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 you know, a priming, if you will, communication priming, because what you should say is our promise to you and yeah. then this is how we behave. And your promise to us, <laughs> this is how we, you know. So yeah. I think there's probably definitely ways to frame that and message that that are positive and conducive. But again, just just be aware that, you know, when we do make a statement to the world, when we give a list of demands, so to speak, we are potentially priming the individual to expect that, which is why primes are so powerful, you know, because this is actually how uh, food and beverage sell a lot of things to us. Because, you know, again, we start to associate certain feelings or or times, you know, you're like, you feel great if you have a Coke or whatever, right? Yeah. So you start to prime different behaviors and habits. So, you know, there are definitely benefits to it, but just be aware that, you know, there's also the flip or potential. Yeah. Flip. yeah. I mean, I, we, I know we want to hear what you guys are doing out there, what you're experiencing, um, how you're kind of getting in front of this. I think it's, it's interesting to hear. And I think it's very important to think about. Yeah. And, and the one thing I want to leave you with today, just the importance of self-care and look, self-care yeah. gets thrown around a lot. And, and, I don't know that I always agree with the application, Becky. Really, self-care at its foundation, it's eating a healthy diet. It's getting restorative rest. It's getting adequate exercise, right? It's having some type of emotional release that's healthy. Because I think sometimes people think self-care is a spa day, which is great. But that's actually not what's going to get you through the worst parts of life. What's going to get you through the worst, hardest things in your life is going to be fortifying your spirit nurturing your your energy right making sure that you're physically strong like those are the things that actually allow you to survive the spa day is great it makes you feel good but it does not help you prevent the heart attack it does not help you prevent you know, chronic inflammation <laughs> due to stress it does not help you, uh, you know, manage your day so yeah. I, I really want you to to sit back viewfinders and reflect on self-care not just as like hey i got uh, in a long tub with a glass of wine but did i eat a healthy meal today did i drink enough water how much sleep did i get last night that's it. And find the joy in the little moments. Uh, just take a, a second to slow down, you know, um, use great distraction techniques to find yourself just having a little mental moment anytime you get a chance. And they can really, really add up. It, you know, you're right. It doesn't have to be a two hour massage. And, you know, it's it's we can create our moments throughout the day. And, and again, gratitude, daily gratitude, because today we have focused on some of the crappy parts of our jobs. And we know that there's a lot of stuff happening out there, stuff that we don't even know about. So definitely hit us up, viewfinders. But just when you have those moments that are that do, as Becky said, bring you joy, be grateful for it and be consciously, actively, dynamically grateful for it. That's really the difference. Like gratitude practice is as simple as saying, you know, Mrs. Smith, I got to tell you, thank you so much for your energy today. You know, as you can imagine, there's been a lot of stress at our vet clinic uh, this past few weeks or months, and it's people like you that really make it worthwhile. If you do yeah. that, that is such not only a celebration for the client, and you're actually encouraging the types of behaviors you want, <laughs> but on the other part of that is you are you are manifesting those words and, and those feelings into the real world, which helps you understand that, wow, these moments, they're worth cherishing. 
That's right. And don't forget your coworkers when you're giving out that little bit of love and that little bit of confidence. Everybody needs a little sunshine in their day. So um, just try to be somebody's sunshine. Yeah. And if you want to be our sunshine, you can subscribe. You can share this content with your friends. <laughs> you can even go over to Apple Podcasts and give us like five stars. But we really appreciate your loyal listening all the almost four years now, Becky. But regardless, you know, if you like content like this, let us know. Share it with a colleague that you think would benefit from it. And if you have show ideas or tough topics you'd like us to tackle, let us know. We really want to hear from you. That's right. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Veterinary Viewfinder and anywhere you listen to your favorite podcasts. Until next time, you guys be safe out there. Bye. Bye. That was good. That was great. That was really good.